John, how are you today? I'm good, Elliot. A um, lot going on this week. Uh, I saw that the um, uh, members of the House Financial Services Committee sent a letter to Treasury telling them that they need to get moving on the beneficial ownership registry. So that'll that'll be interesting to see what happens. We obviously uh, talked last week about the the FATF plenary, and we've also chatted about the comment letter we filed with the Antiquities Coalition. And there was a something that was relevant here uh, today, uh, well, it came out this week, from Interpol. And Interpol, for people that don't remember or know, um, you know, that's, that's an organization um, that services, uh, I think, over 194 member countries in terms of data. It's a police organization, but they help with uh, share and access data on crimes and criminals and technical support. Uh, so Interpol has been around for obviously quite a long period of time. So we don't typically see things from them, but they came out with a pretty interesting um, study the other day that I know you and I chatted about. Yes. Yeah, so um, they did a survey uh, of um, uh, participating countries, many of which participated in the survey, not all, about assessing crimes against cultural property in 2020. They've done this for a number of years because they had a fair a uh, fairly large group of comparative statistics to the 2019 study. But, uh, you know, we have certainly talked about art and antiquities and they, uh, uh, they, they really did uh, focus on the impact and the breadth of, um, of antiquity, um, illegal antiquity activity and talked about what the impacts are. Uh, on the countries and on the globe. Yeah, and during the pandemic, yeah. So, I mean, I think that was that was the other key here was that the, uh, the pandemic didn't slow down the criminal activity. Correct, correct. So it was interesting. One of the things they, they concluded was that, uh, and I'm quoting here, one of the main reasons for this lack of awareness and the lack of awareness is, you know, on the magnitude of the uh, problem uh, remains the absence of specialized police units solely dedicated to crimes related to cultural property, um, as well as dedicated databases of stolen works of art linked to Interpol's database. Um, so it's interesting. I'm aware that the FBI has an art, um, uh, an, a specialty art unit, and I know the New York uh, police force does, and I'm sure some other large city ones do, but um, there's a lot of countries where police are severely underfunded and, you know, having, having folks who really focus on this and really understand the, the details of how it's happening um, is critical to successful enforcement. Right. And they, uh, they have a couple of uh, tools that they mentioned, which can help law enforcement. One is a stolen works of art database. They say has over 52,000 objects that both the general public and law enforcement get access to. And then in May of this year, they launched an ID art mobile application that uh, allows, again, law enforcement and others to gain mobile access to the database. So you can um, report cultural sites that are potentially at risk. So I think those tools become really, really interesting as well. One of the examples is not funny, but I, I thought it was really interesting. One of the examples that they include in the press release as they say, following a tip, a tip off from a, uh, a coin dealer in London, 
the Spanish National Police recovered three gold coins dating from the Roman Empire. And two individuals were arrested and they wanted to sell one of them, which had been stolen back in Switzerland in 2012. And they were worth an estimated 200,000 euros on the black market. So, um, you know, the, no the notion that we've seen from a lobbying standpoint, especially in the United States, that your coin dealers and others say we shouldn't have regulations on BSA. Well, again, this is just one example, but clearly this is also part of the theft of cultural artifacts. So I thought that was interesting. And then they, they mentioned some of the other survey data showed that marked increases in what they're calling illicit ex excavations. And in the Americas, 187% increase, which is crazy. Um, and they, they think in part because of the pandemic, they were less protected and maybe more open to illicit excavation. So uh, obviously the pandemic has exacerbated in some cases, some of the thefts and movement of these, uh, of these artifacts. Yeah, I, um, I think the, um, the illicit excavations is an important point for people to think about because a lot of what gets reported tends to be um, the theft of either masterpieces of art or museum collection items, either directly from the uh, museums or the collections or while they're in transit for some reason. But um, there are a lot of artifacts that are still out there um, in, the, you know, in the world that are at protected sites, at least officially protected, but not protected by you know, uh, uh, staff or electronic surveillance or things like that. And there's a lot of it going on. You quoted the 187% increase in the Americas. The increase in Asia and South Pacific was 3,812%. Yeah. So, yeah, quite quite a large number. Yeah, that's a big jump. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and, um, and part of it is that, um, and they talk about the fact that archaeological and paleontological sites just aren't as heavily protected. Right. Uh, but, you know, again, if, if the risk of doing it were high enough, that would be a piece of a protective process. Right. Um, so this is the fourth survey they have done. It's, it can be downloaded off Interpol's website, Assessing Crimes Against Cultural Property 2020. And as we mentioned, there's some additional uh, tools that they've created, uh, but they also give some recommendations and some examples of how, what are common methods that move this, like hiding goods in luggage, transport with falsified documents, or obviously hiding cultural property and other objects. So they give you a lot of good information. And I guess to your point, you know, be, because there isn't uh, a sufficient number of police divisions dedicated to this, you know, this is something that the public can pay attention to and hopefully prevent as well as uh, law enforcement. Yeah, the ID Art mobile application is actually available to the public. Right, exactly. So, uh, yeah. you know, um, not that we all want to become as we used to say, junior G-men, but, you know, the idea of uh, being able to pay attention to, you know, what's in its rightful place and what's not for some, for some people who uh, uh, are involved in those kinds of things or are active museum goers or things like that, there, there is the opportunity to participate and be of help. That's right. 
Okay, so uh, I'll do the first shameless plug, and then you can do the second one. First one is, uh, hope you enjoyed this and our other ones. Uh, we're uh, available to you wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And John, you want to uh, mention our next uh, webinar? Yeah, the next webinar is going to be on uh, November 16th at 1 o'clock Eastern time. This will be definitely a different one that we know is going to be helpful to folks. And that's criminal investigations for financial institutions, a how-to for law enforcement and the financial sector. So learning from each other. We'll have some current law enforcement individuals and bankers that are going to talk about what works, what the challenges are, and how we can improve uh, you know, our partnership going forward. Sounds great. All right. I will talk to you next week. Have a good weekend and stay healthy. Take care. Talk to you. Bye.